Hey everyone, welcome back to Reclaiming Hope. Um, I'm your host, Ben Hamilton. Here with my crew, I've got Brenda Newton. Hey everybody. And uh, Luke Manna here today. Hey Luke, hey Brenda. Um, Good to be back together with y'all. And um, yeah, it's just, I, I love these conversations and I'm so excited for this one. So where are we going? Yeah, well, since we're talking about reclaiming hope on this podcast, we just realized we could benefit from spending some more time on the conversation of holding hope for another. So in some of our previous conversations, we've spent a moment um, talking about like who has helped you in this difficult circumstance, like who has helped you hold hope or grasp hope? What were instruments of hope in your life? Um, But we just wanted to spend a whole episode or maybe two on what does this actually look like? Like when we are the person sitting with someone that we deeply care about and they're struggling to hold hope, they're struggling to grasp a sense of hope in the midst of their circumstances, what does that look like for us to help? Um, Mm, And I think like we as Christians, just as human beings with some sense of empathy, we desire to be helpful for when when people that we love are struggling, but we often get it wrong. So we kind of wanted to spend some time talking through ways that we mess this up. Um, and then what are ways that we can do better at holding hope or helping other people grasp hope in the midst yeah. of a hopeless or seemingly hopeless circumstance? That's good. So, yeah. So yeah. And to your point, we, we often get this wrong and mm-hmm. that's, that's humbling to hear. Yeah. But on the way in this morning, I, I was re-listening to my short drive to um, to our very first episode when we just kind of laid like the foundation and like the vision for like, why are we doing this? What mm-hmm. are we talking about? Why are we talking about it? Um, and just the notion that we long for these conversations, these stories, whatever we're doing um, to, um, to help to equip the church to walk more faithfully mm-hmm. um, uh, with someone who's struggling or suffering and we acknowledge right out the gate in that episode that we have a empathy problem yeah just as a culture and so i was reminded of that this morning and just that that part of our conversation and i think like some of the things we're going to talk about today is going to get at the heart of that like try to um maybe expose a little bit of uh, maybe perhaps why that is mm-hmm. and then uh yeah we want to be faithful and um yeah god give us grace here to then present some helpful um, steps for how we can uh, maybe cultivate more empathy and be a little bit more helpful to one another um, whenever right. we encounter people who are struggling and maybe um, appear hopeless, right? Because I think, and that's, that's that's probably a good place to start is even just, again, and just acknowledging like the problem. So like, I think the truth is, and I know this is this is still the case for me sitting here Having been in pastoral ministry, having you know worked in the hospital systems, and now doing these care meetings all the time with people who are struggling, um, like in our church, is mm-hmm. sometimes uh, still uh, the 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 perception of hopelessness in another person still makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, if right. I just be honest, like, like just sometimes it just like it just makes me like. I don't know, flinch a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I have to kind of go through this in my own soul all over again right. and and take stock of that. And I think so, and I think, and I hope that's true. And you guys are nodding your heads. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. everybody can't, yeah. so this is a podcast. Everybody can't see. So I'm all not right. alone here. <laughs> 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 uh, 
that we're that I think we're collectively saying, yeah, this is yeah, yeah, true. And to go about back to getting it wrong, um, just to clarify what that is, are you guys saying like you've you've stepped in or stepped away, whatever it is, and the result is the person being hurt in mm-hmm. the moment where it, it really didn't help them work through that hopelessness? Or what are we trying to avoid when you say that? Yeah, you know? I think like in that discomfort that can come up, like if we're seeing someone that we care about or even someone that we're meeting for the first time in one of these care meetings, um, where there's just this this clear struggle of seemingly hopelessness, um, it can produce in us this response of like, oh no, we need to, I need to rush in and help. I need to fix something. I need, like there's this urgent response or some, sometimes it just brings something up in us where we're like, yeah. I have to address this. And as we focus on that, sometimes we can miss the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then missing the, like they can feel hurt. They can mm-hmm. feel unseen or that can increase their discouragement. That can increase their sense of hopelessness mm-hmm. when we're so focused on fixing, offering advice, other like, so we'll kind of get into more of those specific ways that we we yeah. miss the person. I think maybe yeah. that's another way to phrase it. It's like we're, okay. we're missing the person. Yeah. And then even we can walk away feeling like we helped and we have no clue kind of like right. where that person is. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, I think you're right to point out the risk. Yeah, what are we, like when we say get it wrong, like I think that is like the, um, you know, the thing we want to avoid the most, right? And I think, you know, most people when they encounter, you know, per- perceived hopelessness, we don't want to make that person feel worse, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like, hopefully like, not. And that's usually not yeah. people's intentions, no. but But it often happens, and so we need to be aware of that. Yeah. Um, and like, what are those ditches that we mm-hmm. often fall into and why do, and why do we fall into them? Because I think that is the risk, right? So if a person that we perceive is hopeless mm-hmm. and when we leave that person, um, now they are hopeless or, you know, more hopeless. Like, like I think the hope in the prayer is, um, and we're just throwing hope all over the place this yeah. morning, <laughs> is that we, we would by God's grace journey with that person toward hope mm-hmm. right not yeah. and not lead them uh wound them in such a way that now they feel further from that mm. so which just you know it it, it brings up all th- kinds of things right? right so just even understanding again what what is hope yeah. right? right and just so needing to sort through all that kind of stuff so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that which i i really like the way that you phrase that journeying with someone towards hope because i think that can kind of paint a picture or give us an image of what this process looks like. Like one way that we get it wrong is when we feel this urgency of, I have to make them hope again. I have to lead them to hope again. I have to drag them to hope. Or like we can feel this urgency of, I have to move this person from hopelessness to hope again. And in our efforts, we're kind of like elevating ourselves above them or we're not actually with them in that. Mm. So the image or just the verbiage of journeying with someone I think is beautiful because we are in this together. And if we can approach right. it from this stance of I'm I'm in this with you, like there are areas of my own life where I sometimes str- struggle to grasp hope too. Mm. So I'm figuring this out alongside you, not in front of you, not above you, like I'm with you in this. Yeah. And if we can practice that and start with that foundation or just a mindfulness of like, I'm in this too. Hmm. I think that can help meet the person where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. That's foundational. That's really good. So, um, so it is important 
right to like we want to name the we want to point out and name the the landmines that are out there mm-hmm. that we can inadvertently step on just to be aware of <laughs> them right? yeah to be yeah. aware of them so we can we can avoid them because i i think like we trend towards some of these things again because we get uncomfortable mm-hmm. um when we encounter hopelessness i think often just like you know i don't think we naturally just um uh, we don't we don't trend toward empathy, right? We 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 trend like uh, I think Scripture is very clear about this. Like yeah. I trend more toward love for myself, right, <laughs> yeah. than for my neighbor, and um, and only you know a, a heart that's been um, regenerated and and filled with the spirit of Christ, which is now compelling me to love my neighbor and you know and to follow and to follow Jesus and to live like Jesus, you know then you know you become more like empathetic um as you faithfully engage but we don't just naturally just Mm -hmm. just function as empathetic people often and so um and so we get uncomfortable when we're confronted with these things and then we do slip into one of the one of the the ditches that you mentioned uh brenda is this rushing yeah thing right so what does that look like like and what's your guys experiences been um, either as the offender or the offended, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. With someone trying to, to to rush you to hope, what is right. what has that been like? Well, I think the way that it can come across is it it feels like you're being preached at, like mm-hmm. like hey, just remember this truth, like like don't you know, like Jesus loves you, or like Jesus works all th- or God works all things together for the good of those who love Him, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. That's like, the one, yeah, right? Like mm-hmm. so, so just trust God. Like duh. Like okay, well, great. What a what a great idea, right? Like I, why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. So I, I think when we feel this urgency of like, well, I just need to remind them of truth, or like they just need mm-hmm. to hold on to this thing, that can be received and it can very much come across as being preached at. And mm-hmm. when you're doing that, you miss the person. Like, yeah, it's, and, it's not very relational. <laughs> so as Christians, like reminding them of truth, we all know like that's super important, right? So right. would you say the issue isn't so much the truth that was reminded of, but maybe so much that it didn't even take time to, I don't know, like I heard this problem and so instantly I'm gonna speak truth on it right. rather than taking the time, well, what's your experience of that problem? Mm-hmm where are you at now with this? Maybe you know that truth and you're holding fast to it and now I'm just overlooking that, you know? So is it the timing? I think a lot of it is timing. And also like I had a high school teacher who would always say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. (laughs) So like, just be mindful of like, yeah, the truth is important. Like we need truth and we do need reminders because we are so quick to forget. Mm -hmm. But the way that it's done and the timing of when it's done, Mm. like absolutely matters because if we're so quick to rush in like maybe someone is starting to share with us and we think oh i know where they're going like i can jump i can jump 10 steps down the road i'm assuming i know where you're headed so i'm going to start preaching at you now like i know what you need i'm going to jump in and fix it because i'm uncomfortable with where this is going so in our lack of patience to actually hear the whole story to actually seek to understand better what's going on what's beneath the surface here in my urgency to get them to hope Mm -hmm. i'm missing like i might even be preaching something that they don't need to hear yeah Mm -hmm. but if we can take that time time to hear them out ask questions first like 
hey, I'm wondering if this might be a thing that you're struggling to trust God with. Mm-hmm. Let that give them space to clarify. Then that helps us understand better what might be the truth that they do need to be reminded of. Yeah. So, uh, well, I was just thinking of a uh, of of a story of mine. So, in 2009, Thanksgiving Eve. Um, well, actually, I mean, technically, it was Thanksgiving by the time we got there to the, to the hospital. Um, it, well, it started late at night the, the day before Thanksgiving. I was just in excruciating pain mm-hmm. in, uh, in my abdomen area, and um, it had just progressed to the point where I just couldn't get out of bed, and it felt very strange. And so my parents came and had to pick me up, and they took me to the ER. And uh, I'll never forget as we get into the ER, and I was just kind of like screaming in pain and trying to describe like what I was feeling. Um, the first person who saw me, the first medical provider who saw me, um, said, "Okay, we think this is kidney stones." Mm. And well, it turns out later on that it was my appendix. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> kidney stones. But you know, yeah. if they would have, um, upon you know, their first impression and exposure to me and, you know, that kind of adrenaline rush of like, oh, this person is in pain, um, so I need to, like, fix this as soon as possible. If they would have acted on kidney stones as opposed to my appendix, you know, where would that leave me? First, they would have put me through a lot of, uh, I don't, I don't, I've, I haven't had to be treated for kidney stones, but um, I have had some friends and like, yeah. I would have been very upset if they would have treated me for kidney <laughs> stones and, and I didn't have kidney stones, right? right? You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like, um, but, but a, a good, and, and, you know, and even like if a doctor did that, like we would yank their medical license, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, no, exactly. like, no, we expect our doctors to, even though um, these problems can be acute and this distress can be great and mm-hmm. that can trigger anxiety and discomfort, um, we expect a, a good physician to take their time to do a, a, a good workup yeah. and diagnostics and and let's make sure we get to like the root of the problem before we start prescribing and applying treatments that you know are going to quote unquote make this better and so i think the same is true of us in our just our relationships that we just Mm -hmm. we need to become better diagnosticians better Mm -hmm. you know physicians as it were um to really seek to understand when we encounter those who are struggling to to really understand okay what are they actually struggling with and you know you know you think of job right like the the classical, you know, preacher cliches, you know, Job's comforters did a great job, you know, until they opened their mouths, right? Like when they were just patient and just sitting with Job in the pain, in the hopelessness, um, like they were doing great, right? Like, and so it, it just, it it takes time. Like we, Mm -hmm. we can't rush. Yes. Um, these things do elicit anxiety and discomfort, but we need to embrace that uh, because God has something deeper for us there. And like you said, we might miss the person. Mm-hmm. We might apply the wrong treatment or in the wrong way or at the wrong right. time. Yeah. And like, we don't, we don't want to do that. I, I, we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know we don't. Um, so we just need to become wise to our tendency to do that because mm-hmm. it happens all the time and in our practice or our practice in our ministry um we see this result all the time Mm -hmm. right we 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 sit with people who feel like they've been missed because 
they they struggled they hit that hopeless season that spot that suffering and they encountered this Mm -hmm. they experienced it well and to the person who's listening right now thinking oh shoot i've been doing this like i've been preaching at or i've been so quick to try to rush this person that I love, I've been trying to rush them to hope. Um, and I fear that maybe I have caused more harm than mm-hmm. good. Like, if that's you, I just want to encourage you. It's okay to go back and follow up and say, hey, like, I think I'm recognizing that maybe I didn't approach you in the best manner before. Huh. Like, you can have a redemptive conversation about this. That's you can so own redemptive. it. That's so And just redemptive. say, I yeah. think I missed you and I'm so sorry. Like, can I listen to you now? Can I hear you out now? It's, I mean, there's so much grace, but yeah. to have the humility to follow up and say, hey, I think I got it wrong. Um, there's just so much power in those conversations. Yeah. 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 Just thinking about what you were sharing, Brenda, and then also been your story about your medical story just in our relationship getting to know each other i remember you sharing more of your story and just focusing on the receiving side of that mm-hmm. how when you had that doctor that said i'm gonna figure out what's the root of your big uh chronic mm-hmm. illness yeah um and when he did find out like this is what's going on and you yeah. had an answer like i remember you sharing that and it was just like life-giving mm-hmm. to you oh, yeah like i have hope honestly because yeah. that explains everything it's the root and i feel found and yeah. i mm-hmm. know where to go from here mm-hmm. and so just like putting that on like what you're saying brenda where even going back right. they might not have experienced that moment yet and mm-hmm. i i've experienced that because i did have thankfully a good mentor in my life those moments where it's like that's it like that's the root of where i'm at now why this is right. what it is and i felt like okay from now on i can i can take these steps i can mm. start walking yeah so it was like powerful moments but it only takes someone taking the time to find that mm-hmm. route right yeah well i think that <laughs> exposes something too that i hadn't really thought of before like when we are quick to rush to fix things when we're quick to try to like force that person or move that person to hope we can easily stay on the surface level of what are the circumstances? How do I fix the circumstance? Or what's my quick diagnosis? Like, so here I'm going to offer advice. I'm going to preach at you, blah, blah, blah. But that is staying on the surface level rather than taking the time to explore and get to the the deeper root. Yeah. I think that like, just like that refreshing experience that you're talking about, like that did offer me or that, that helped me experience a new level of hope of, I think we as humans know, like there has to be more than this. So if we're focused on just trying to fix the circumstance or like find the band aid, like maybe that can provide a little bit of relief for a second, but I think we know in our hearts, like there has to be more. Mm-hmm. So when someone kind of helps draw us deeper or like explores deeper with us, there's something that's like, Oh wow. Like, I, I needed that and I didn't even realize I needed that. Yeah. So I think that's a really beautiful mm. way to just kind of help. Like let's, let's do take the time to go beneath the surface yeah. rather than just rushing and staying on the surface. Yes. But, yeah, but what are other ways that you've seen like ditches we can fall into with this ways that we can get this wrong? So one of them was just to summarize it was yeah. don't rush, right? right. Rushing in to yeah. fix the problem. I see the we, problem. I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We rush. And yeah. so, um, yeah, and with that, I, I just want to put this final yeah. just, um, <laughs> it's a just big one. bow on yeah. it. Um, 
I, I think in rushing what that communicates, I think when I drill down to like what's under the surface of that in my own heart when I rush is I don't trust the spirit. Mm. Yeah. Um, because if if I'm confronted with hopelessness and that makes me uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. But like Jesus told us and taught us that um, the, the spirit that he was, you know, the spirit that he was sending is a spirit of comfort. Right. And so to really to, to, to know and experience God uh, in greater measure um, is to experience him as a comforter. Uh, that's that's one element, which implies that we're gonna we need to encounter yeah. discomfort. And so, when we encounter discomfort, that that feels like in our humanness and our flesh, we want to flee those areas toward comfort. Um, but the reality of it is, is that those are the places that the Spirit of God will come. Um, it, but we've got to wait and not mm-hmm. and not rush, and uh, and we've got to entrust ourselves to this. Um, the Holy Spirit was the yeah. comforter, as Jesus um, would call him. So and so John fifteen fourteen, well, those, yeah. yeah, John fourteen or fifteen. So, when the comforter comes, hmm. uh, is what Jesus would say. So, just to put a rhetorical question then out there, that means when we are looking at our friends or the people we want to step into their lives, we need to be willing to give time. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that worth it? Are you willing mm-hmm. to pay that cost? Right? Yeah. Um, for that friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we rush in our discomfort. Um, another one that we that we talk about all the time because it's too easy. It's low hanging fruit. Is we um, offer bad theology, mm-hmm. or we you know we we offer things from a place of bad theology. Right. Mm-hmm. What um, <laughs> What are some examples there? Well, uh, I. I'm pretty passionate about this one because I just feel like sometimes our bad theology is rooted in like our personal value system that mm-hmm. we grow up in and like things we just think are are quote unquote normal or expected, um, especially as Americans mm-hmm. uh, comes into play in this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea of if there's a problem and my friend is hurting, the solution obviously is that they and what God wants is that they wouldn't hurt and that the suffering would be gone because God is good, mm-hmm. God is faithful, and he loves them. So right. obviously that means that this would go away. And it's a fine dance because all those things are true, but just realizing that as you read scripture, because God is good, because he is faithful, because he is loving, mm-hmm. he's willing to persevere with that person through the trial Right. And he's not always so quick to remove it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the fruit as a result is just, first off, God glorifying, and the person comes out uh, stronger, um, more connected to him and abiding with him, and, like, it drew them closer to him. And I'm not saying, like, every suffering, that's, like, obviously what God's doing, but I am. I think it's important mm-hmm. we realize I don't know God's right ultimate purpose of what he's doing in this person's life right now Mm -hmm. so i shouldn't approach them in a way of saying this is all bad it needs to go away and thinking of our prayers you know god take this away um and i guess going back to kind of slowing down but approaching it more of yeah like my theology of suffering is that 
suffering is evil, so therefore has nothing to do with God and needs to throw away. And so anyway, the yeah. the passage of James comes into mind, uh, James 1, where it says, consider it all joy when you face mm-hmm. trials of various kinds, any kind of trial, because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and let that steadfastness have its full effect. Hmm. And he goes into character and what right. that effect is. And so it's like, hmm. he's literally saying like, don't cut it short. Like, let that steadfastness, that fruit grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. God, what he's doing in and through that person. Right. That's, I think of a personal example of like people trying to help me with some bad theology. So like one of the deepest aches in my life is being a 30 something woman who is unmarried and has no mm. children. Like ever since I was very, very young, all I wanted was to be a mom. Mm. Um, so still like being in my 30s and not having that dream realized yet um maybe never like i don't know what god's plan is but throughout my adult life i've had people come to me and like if i would open up and just struggle like hey or share share my struggle like hey this has been a really hard season where i just feel discouraged um i don't i don't know if god is ever gonna Hmm. fulfill this dream of mine this desire of mine um and I'm just really struggling with that. I've had so many people say, I know, I know God is going to oh, do this yeah. for you. I promise you, like God has a man, he's bringing him, that man is on his way. He's just not ready yet or blah, mm. blah, blah. Like, I know God is going to give you multiple children because that's your desire. And the effect of that was every time another dating relationship was failed or every time there was another breakup, um, every year that passed where I still had no children, I was discouraged and I was more focused on the unfilled desire and and the the ache of that than I was on God's faithfulness to me. Hmm. So when you come in and make promises on behalf of God that you can't, like you don't actually know. Yeah. I've had so many people make promises on behalf of God that have not come true. <laughs> And so what does that mean? You know, <laughs> which which caused me to struggle and wrestle to think yeah. like, well, is God not faithful then? Yeah, right. Because these people are telling me God is promising me these things, yeah. and they're not happening. So when we do that with like that's a that's bad theology. You cannot make promises on behalf of God because you don't know His plan. Or like, I lost my best friend um, almost a decade ago to brain cancer and I had people promising God is going to heal her. God is Mm -hmm. going to take that away. You just have to pray in faith that God is going to heal her. He didn't, she died. Um, And so what that does is that shifts like those promises on behalf of God that shifts my focus onto the circumstance rather than keeping my focus on God. Hmm. It doesn't help me trust God when you're making promises that you don't know if that's from God or not. Like you can hope with me, like I know that's a desire you have. I'm gonna hope with you that God would do that thing. But even if he doesn't, can we keep our focus on God and is is he faithful? Is he trustworthy? Even if that thing never happens. Mm So I think bad theology can have the effect or it can just create this effect of I'm I'm shifting my focus from God to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Brenda, hearing you say that, like, isn't that what the psalmists do, right? So mm-hmm. well is they're so honest about where they're at. Right. And the one thing they do promise and they do say is is true is the goodness of God, even mm-hmm. if right. the problem continues, even if the enemies overwhelm them. Right. That their God hasn't changed, and they that kind of is their hope. 
yeah. not so much the circumstances uh, going away, but knowing right. that there is a mm-hmm. God who has not left them, yeah. and He is good, and He sees them. Yeah. Right. So certainly, as like um, our responsibility and role in journeying with others who are struggling and going through seasons of hopelessness um, is to take stock of our own heart and what are we believing about hope and just kind of go back to the beginning. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to our first episode where we just kind of unpacked just like what is hope, um, it's um, I commend that one to you. Although I think it's definitely the thread we've woven, I think, through Mm -hmm. all um, all of our episodes, but you know, so certainly, you know, to um, to continue to put that before us, like we're not talking about um, just a mere changing of circumstances. So, for the Christian, hope is a person, right. and for the psalmist, you know, hope is a person. The 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 command you see over and over again, whether it's the psalmist talking to themselves or to Israel. Um, or, or whoever, uh, it's hope in God, mm-hmm. right? It's not hope in these things, right. hope in this coming true, hope in this being, mm-hmm. but it's hope in God because at the end of the day, um, and one of one of the realities that we have to, another hard one that we have to embrace here, but it's another exercise of our trust and faith in God, is we've got to leave space for mystery mm-hmm. um, yeah. and right. which... Often these bad theologies, these, you know, prosperity gospel or, um, you know, word of faith, name it, claim it kind of um, uh, mantras, they they don't leave that space. And so, um, and that's incredibly dangerous mm-hmm. um, and arrogant mm-hmm. um, right. because God is so much bigger mm-hmm. than any one of us, nobody has a monopoly on understanding God's will um, and right. purposes all throughout redemptive history. Like, but the beautiful thing and why Christians can hope in God, um, uh, you know, and we distinguished in the first episode between um, temporal hopes, right? Those those hopes, like, you know, because because there is a sense in which we all we we do hope circumstances will change, will get better, and that's okay um, as long as they're placed underneath this umbrella of this Mm -hmm. eternal capital H hope, which is in fact God um, and our covenant Lord and our relationship with God um, through being united by faith to Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, so we can like have, you know, these lower H, uh, lower, lowercase H, you know, hopes and everything Mm -hmm. like that. But, um, but we've got to, we've got to distinguish there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think on the topic of unhelpful theology, something really important for us as followers of Christ, um, we need to wrestle with our theology of suffering. Why does suffering happen? Because just like Job's friends, their theology of suffering was all suffering comes from sin. sin. Right. And if that is our assumption, yeah. that if there's something hard going on in someone's life, it must be because of sin. It must be because of your sin, right? Right. Yeah. That's because what, you yeah. sinned. You yeah. did something wrong and God is punishing yeah. you. If I mean, in a grand sense, right? Like all suffering is a result of the sin. Fall, right. The fall of man. Um, yeah. But you can't trace your suffering right. to your sin all the right. time. So like natural disasters. Yeah. Did this tornado happen because I sinned? Right. Like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think it's really important for us to just pause and do that. Rest. I mean, this is like a lifelong process of wrestling to 
to yes. understand or to to build this theology of suffering yes. but to be open to exploring and considering why do i think this happened where do i think this came from like and and to recognize we have to recognize there's more than just the person's sin like maybe they were sinned against maybe it's an, a matter of evil in the world mm -hmm. um maybe it's just a part of this world breaking down like mm -hmm. people die now that yeah. like that's just the process of death and dying is incredibly painful yeah. um there's loss there's all sorts of things that happen but if you assume that everything is a result of you sinned so this is happening you're going to engage that person in a very different way than if yeah. you have a more robust theology of suffering that gives space for, or what if it's God correcting them? I mean, correction, discipline is uncomfortable mm -hmm. and it can feel like suffering. Sometimes yeah. we can, you know, so if, if we can just pause and consider there might be other causes um, than just that person sinned, yeah. that's going to help give us a better theology yeah. of Mm -hmm. to, to engage this person better yeah yeah, yeah. that's good thank you brenda yeah. um one thing i know like when we were just dreaming about having this conversation we spent a lot of time talking about fixing mm -hmm. and i know we've kind of so when we you know, so we talked about in our discomfort whenever we're in we encounter hopelessness in another we'll rush we'll offer things from a, a place of wrong uh, belief or mm. uh, bad theology. Um, and all these, I think, may fall together under the category of fixing, right? Like mm. we, we want to we want to fix, right? We, we, we encounter it, we want to fix it. Um, some of us may be more fixers than others, but I think all <laughs> of us, like when we encounter those things, like we, we want to make it better. Mm -hmm. And we talked quite a bit about yeah. fixing, and I think some good questions came out of that place, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. What's, what were some of those questions? One of the biggest ones was you can almost have a conversation like this. I've had it with even members of the, the church, and the undertone, though, is that question of, so I can't help, or mm -hmm. how, so I need to leave the problem and not offer any advice. Like, right. So mm -hmm. the question kind of was like, well, how do we are we supposed to help are we supposed to step right. into that how do we offer advice like yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's a very good question um and one that i think yeah we can we can end our time on uh um for this this portion i think we're going to come back and we'll have another conversation yeah. um yeah. so this one has been predominantly about um uh the ways in which we can approach this in an unhelpful way, yeah. right? And so I think the the part two of this conversation is going to be okay. So what does it actually look like to walk this out like faithfully, yeah. Yeah. and offer offer some some practical helps there? Um, so this feels like a, a good place to to end the conversation today. So when it comes to those impulses to offer, mm -hmm. whatever it may yeah. be, right? So um, whether it's that that scripture or that advice or that essential oil. I do have experience <laughs> with this, so or, yeah. Right. I like, or, don't wanna make it about me, but I really have experienced this, so yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, my, and yeah, that's 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 often the case, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and Brenda, I know like when we talked about that, maybe you can just um, speak to that one specifically about like when we have gone through something similar right which that's an that's an important distinguishment like 
at the gate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we want to right. self-disclose that. So how, how do you right. sort through? So one thing in, um, so I'm a licensed therapist and in our, in my education, um, mm-hmm. my training for um, becoming a counselor, we basically talked about how in that setting, in that context of therapy, um, it is never appropriate. When in doubt, it's it's just never appropriate to self-disclose. You may have walked through this a very similar situation to that person, um, but if you start to say, okay, well, from my experience, when I went through blah, 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 what you're essentially doing is you're taking the attention away from that person and you're putting it on yourself. Mm-hmm. So even though like what your intention is, is to say, hey, I understand you, what you're actually doing is saying, okay, well, now it's my time. Um, and in doing that, like if, if a person is sitting in a really painful place and they're sharing this maybe for the first time and the way that they're met in that space is, okay, well, here's my story. I, I think it something we can overlook is they may not even have the energy or the capacity to hear someone else's um, story. Yeah. Yeah. Like they might be in a place of I'm just surviving and just sharing this for the first time is the hardest thing I've maybe ever done. Like this is vulnerable. And so to have my, have the response be like this, it's almost a dismissal when someone yeah. says, well, here's my story. Mm-hmm. It can feel like you're being dismissed in that. So yeah. in the context of counseling therapy, we don't do that. Um, and I think it's important even in context outside of therapy, because I know our listeners are not all counselors mm-hmm. or therapists, but when we're seeking to care well for that other person, you may have walked through a very similar loss or a very similar season of suffering. But rather than jumping in and saying, well, here's my story, um, you can jump in with comments like, well, if I were in your shoes, I imagine you might be experiencing blah, blah, blah. I might, I imagine I would be experiencing X, Y, Z. And that can in turn help them feel more validated or um, that that's another way of offering empathy um, to meet Mm. them where they're at and keep the focus on them Mm. um, to show them, Hey, I do understand you, but I don't have to make it about me in order to show you that I understand you. So that's not to say it's never okay to self disclose. um, But I think if we are so quick to jump into oh yeah, well, here's my story. Like we're comparing battle wounds. Um, it can be so easy to miss that person. It can feel like a dismissal. Um, and it, it's just kind of a failed way to show empathy. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. saying never do it, but be slow yeah. to yeah. offer your story. Well, the way you said it, you're still using the strength of your experience that you right. have been there, but you're using it in a way, like you said, keeping that focus on the person mm-hmm. and maybe putting words that they're feeling, but not knowing how to express right. yeah. so you can help them in that and and, and if, they just left like wow how do you know you know exactly <laughs> exactly and something you can do um is just to say you know what i have walked through something very similar to you if you're ever in a place where you want to hear my story if that mm-hmm. would encourage you if that would help mm-hmm. you i would love like i'm an open book i would love to share that with you but you tell me when you're ready to hear that so rather than you mm-hmm. like pulling that attention away you're inviting them to hear like hey i can share with you what i've been through but that gives them a little bit more voice um, to say like hey that would be helpful or actually no that wouldn't be helpful right now right so (laughs) self-disclosure yeah no thank you for that 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 is so helpful and um and really honestly in in my life something i've needed to learn because i i think i've been uh 
quick and maybe too quick to self-disclose at times because I so want to create that bond of empathy yeah, right. with another person who's suffering because um, I have suffered greatly. And so I, I want them to know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so even from that place, though, right? And that's a good that's a good heart posture. Yeah. I'm not patting myself on the back here. I'm no. just saying mm-hmm. like, like that's that's a good heart heart posture but yet in in even from that place though i miss the person because it's just been it's been untimely and so like i mean there's uh, and there's a spectrum right when we consider suffering right so i mean a person could be literally in shock Mm -hmm. like you said so so somebody could could hear self-disclosure and it could be offensive to them Mm -hmm. uh, because it could feel like kind of a, a hijack of sorts from right. from their pain um but also like if if someone's just experienced a traumatic loss and they're in shock they won't hear you at all right like and sometimes that can be the best thing for you <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. if you're offering that from you know an untimely and that you know um and they don't hear mm-hmm. that at all so it's something i've had to learn a lot and you know yeah. what's what's been um, helpful for me and something I just want to encourage just uh, especially city light folks who you know so we have rhythms of being in community here yeah. in, and in city groups is live your life openly and vulnerably mm-hmm. um, so that when your neighbor does uh, go through their season they like you know I remember I heard Luke share his testimony in city group one day about how God sustained him through you know this season of suffering and now I'm in this place of suffering um, I wonder if Luke might, you know, be, and, you know, and then just yeah. so over the years as I've just sought to live uh, and be more vulnerable with my life and my story um, in, you know, in healthy ways, mm-hmm. right? Which we should have a future conversation about that, mark that <laughs> mm-hmm. down. Um, <laughs> but it's without fail, like people have come to me because they've known my story and uh, in their suffering, they've, they've come to me. And so it's been more of a, that's so rather than me trying to stumble through the self-disclosure thing, like just making myself available in that way Mm. um, to, to then be a portal for, um, for empathy and, and journey with them toward hope. But um, but yeah, so in all these things, these ways in which kind of this umbrella of fixing where we rush, we, you know, we offer uh, various things, maybe from a, a, a place of bad theology and even this self-disclosure conversation, I think I just want to end with just some questions just mm-hmm. to ask. Um, so when we encounter another person who is suffering and we perceive that they're in a place of, of hopelessness and we mm-hmm. have that impulse to offer anything, right our own experience that essential oil um (laughs) this doctor who fixed everything for us um this this book this verse right whatever it may be um i would i just encourage converse or just questions like these so these are things that i'm asking so i think i think the 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 most important thing we'll talk about this more is just slow down and and listen to the person and listen to your own soul and ask yourself these questions. Um, am I correctly understanding this person's deepest pain? Mm-hmm. Right? So I see them in suffering, but am I correctly understanding like the source of their pain mm-hmm. that gets back to that kind of diagnostician, you know, be a good physician, seek to understand the problem. Right. We don't want to apply yeah. the wrong remedy. Um, 
So am I correctly understanding this person's deepest pain? Am I thinking biblically about hope? Hmm. Right? Um, because I, I think, um, and, and Luke, this gets back to something you alluded, like just being in you know, the Western world, yeah. in this individualistic culture, consumeristic yeah. society, um, what life should look like. Yeah. Like the life I can God start wants. to hope yeah. <laughs> wrongly. Right. Yeah. And, and misunderstand hope. So am I thinking biblically about hope? Um, and, uh, thirdly, am I wanting to offer this, whatever it is, um, out of a place of discomfort or anxiety? Mm-hmm. Uh, often that's the first thing we feel we acknowledge whenever we encounter hopelessness. So is this coming just from that place? Mm-hmm. Um, if so, that's probably a good indication that you need to sit on that and wait mm-hmm. um, and let, you know, kind of let your prefrontal cortex catch back up and kind <laughs> of correct, you know, the whole limbic system thing. And so you can actually think clearly right. um, instead of just being in this kind of fight or flight mode. Um, uh, you know, so just just give some time. Just allow yourself to think and have clarity. Um and then fourth, if I were this person, how would I receive this right now? That kind of gets back to just understanding the the timeliness of how we offer. So if I were in their shoes, mm-hmm. um, based on everything, I've, I'm taking stock of their pain. I'm trying to correctly understand hope. Uh, but if I were them right now, would I want to hear this? Yeah. You know, would this be the good time? Um, uh, another important question and uh, is, do I have permission uh, and mm-hmm. trust? to offer this, you know, like, um, speaks to the important, again, being in relationship, like Mm -hmm. be part of a city group, earn people's trust, be part of their lives. Um, good question. Do I have permission and trust to offer this? So those are kind of, those are a few that just, I find myself asking me whenever I encounter somebody of just before we offer Mm -hmm. the thing. Right. Yeah, and just to go back to the heart then, Ben, why? Why would you ask yourself these questions? Why should we ask these questions? Like, what are we trying to avoid or go to Yeah. ultimately with all this? <laughs> well, whenever I encounter somebody who's suffering, I think my, my heart's cry um, to God is, far be it for me, Lord, to lead this person, to journey with this person in any other direction, but to toward you mm-hmm. yeah. um, and because you are our hope you yeah. are the redeemer um, you are the sustainer you are the comforter so I don't want to journey with anybody else toward anything else mm-hmm. than you um, so I need to slow down I need mm-hmm. to ask these questions um, I need to take stock of my own heart and where's this coming from um, so that I can walk with someone yeah Okay. All right. Well, hey, we'll we'll end it there um, for today, but we'll be back with uh, part two of this episode to talk about how then shall we live? Um, We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Mm